0: This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about technology that affects all of us in a format that allows you to consume it in the time it takes to go to and from the grocery store. I'm your host, Lou Covey, and I probably know more about it than you do. And if I don't, I know someone who does. But first... Hi, this is Lou Covey, and I'm back with Joe Vasquez for our final podcast of the year. I uh, was thinking about doing this for the first of the year, but I thought this would be a good wrap-up. Uh, Joe, how are things going in Texas?
1: Things are, uh, things are interesting in Texas, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're a little more open than everything else. Our numbers are up, but uh, in general, from my perspective, our immediate circle is doing well. Good.
0: Uh, we're doing well here in California, but in San Mateo County, we're pretty much voluntarily doing a lockdown. Um, we we are in better shape than most of the state, but we've decided to move forward with the the statewide restrictions just to be safe. So that's probably why our numbers are low. We're a little bit more cautious than anyone else. <laughs> but a lot has happened in 2020. And- that's putting it lightly, Lou. Yeah. <laughs> But but I'm actually optimistic as the way things are ending up overall. And it's not just because of the way the election ended or the fact that we've got uh, uh, a vaccine. I actually think the pendulum is starting to swing back the other direction. So let's talk about that. What do you mean by that? Well, I was I read a couple of articles so far uh, in the past couple of weeks. That has been saying that Trumpism is not going anywhere. When I let's say Trumpism, let me let me define that. That was gonna but, be
1: my next question because I think okay. that could be defined a lot of different ways. Yeah,
0: well, I, I'm looking at at a, at a much broader level, and it's it's I'm using the term to define people who just refuse to listen to facts. And are are desperately searching for any information that will validate an incorrect worldview. And I'm not saying that that's going to go away. But I'm I'm what I'm seeing coming up in 2021, and for at least the next four years, is that that is going to be less of an influence on our society than it has been in the past six years, and tech changes in technology are going to be the things that make it less influential just as the technology was what made it influential in the first place so that's interesting to me um because for me that
1: definition is is a little bit narrow because uh when i think about what i think trumpism is you know for me it's not so much about trump or or incorrect facts it is this underlying feeling that people had that he was able to validate and say, yes, it's there, which made that feeling real, which then correlated to actions, right? Yeah. So to me, um, you're separating out facts from that underlying feeling that people had. Because I think if that feeling remains, you'll see a lot of this continue. If the feelings are addressed and those don't remain, that the actual cause of some of the stuff Uh, I think things change. So explain to me a little bit how you don't think
0: technology is going to assist in this anymore. Um, let's, Let's go right into the issue of politics and how it's going to affect technology. Let's start with Section 230 of the Telecommunications Act. Now, are you familiar with that? I am. We did a whole podcast on it. That's right. We did. Now, this section, uh, this, this section specifically bars any litigation against social media companies for false, libelous, and seditious language produced by users on the platforms, okay? That information is often produced anonymously, and the platforms offer identity protection to those people, and it takes makes it difficult to legally stop them from spreading that information, and the platforms are protected from prosecution because of that section. And this was actually started in the first place to protect the t- uh, telecommunications industries, like the telephone, telephones and uh, radio and, and that, that, that sort of thing, because it doesn't re- make really sense if somebody calls you up and calls you a stupid SOB and you want to sue them, but you don't really know who that is because uh, all you see is a phone number. So you, you can't sue the phone company for allowing that to happen. Well, they've they've the government had decided the fcc has decided that social media companies that's that's facebook twitter linkedin google even amazon okay that they're not liable for that that they are telecommunications companies well th- lots of politicians on both sides of the aisle are talking about removing that protection from social media and that sounds like probably a good idea, right? You want to be able to make the social media companies responsible for that. I don't know um, that. So this is something I've thought about a lot. I spent a lot of time
1: thinking about whether or not. I mean, initially when they started out, right Yeah, they, they were close to the dumb pipes that we talked about in our previous podcast. Uh, I have been convinced now that they have morphed and changed from that and they are. Uh, they are definitely different from what they were when they began.
0: All right.
1: uh, I, I'm concerned about the way that they would go about. Uh, let's just use censoring for the word. I, I, there's a lot of connotations that I don't like using the word, but uh, for lack of a better word, I, I I don't know how they would police what is actually on their platform.
0: Yeah, and that's that's where the problem comes in, because they you know tw- Twitter and Facebook most notably have started taking. Uh, m- making moves to actually do some sort of moderating of content like you know twitter is is specifically putting that label on almost every one of donald trump's tweets that say yeah, what this guy's saying yeah, that's in question okay now twitter is I, I will say that twitter is also uh confessing to mistakes yeah we screwed up right yeah but the but the thing is is that if this section goes away there are there are well let me put it this way. There are a couple of reasons why the big three, Facebook, Twitter, and Google, want to leave it as is. Now, first, they could never afford to defense defend to against all the, the claims of libel, slander, and sedition. Right. There's not enough money in the companies. There's probably not enough money in the world for these companies to survive that kind of litigation. Right. Second, their revenue is dependent upon being able to maintain a relatively unfettered marketplace of ideas profitable conversations are those that have legs sometimes lasting years so even yeah you know, you, you'll find those uh, uh chain mail things uh that used to go around email that are not that have been popping up on Facebook and Twitter for years that are just you know, urban legends they have no truth but they still last for a long time, but they're not true. No matter how many times you try to get rid of them, they they don't get stopped. And the more people that are arguing about those things, the more money these people, these organizations make from selling the data they collect from these conversations. Nothing gets people more excited than conspiracy theories and name-calling. So if that protection is removed, they can't allow that kind of debate because it would ruin them. in the in the the courts so they have two choices either they censor the hell out of the content and require posters to provide verification of their claims or and this is the big one remove anonymity so the posters themselves carry the liability now that would shatter the cash flow for the platforms because it means their usage numbers will tank along with advertising and data selling revenue, which is already happening. Which is already happening,
1: yeah. So when you said that they didn't have the money to fight the litigation, that was exactly what I was thinking. They don't have the money now at the peak of their advertising. When the advertising goes away, that's a whole new issue. What you're saying is if they remove anonymity, you can't say stupid things for free.
0: That's right. (laughs) And and that's the thing that just amazes me about the desire to get rid of this section, especially for a certain segment of the political discussion, specifically in Congress. Because if this section goes away, guess what? Donald Trump doesn't get to have his Facebook and Twitter accounts anymore, which actually is already in the works. Twitter has already announced that on January 20th, as soon as Joe Biden takes the oath of office, Donald Trump's personal account will be eliminated forever. He will be blackballed from Twitter. Interesting. Yeah. Now the thing is, is that you pointed out to me earlier today, an article about how Facebook has finally started freaking out about Apple removing the, or, or Apple putting into their uh, iOS operating system, uh, the ability for users to block tracking. OK, which is going to devastate their advertising revenues because that's what they're selling, the ability to attract this stuff. And we, we did a podcast with uh, Tim Beharin back in June and did a follow up in August about how the, how even marketers are starting to get worried about this. And Twitter is decided I mean, Facebook has decided that they're fighting back. You know, you know, uh, Tim Beharin said, well, they'll we'll try and figure out a technology technology workaround. They haven't been able to figure it out. So now they're going off on a a campaign to badmouth Apple. And what amazes me is they're doing it by taking out ads in newspapers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was interesting. Anybody who's been following us for a while knows we we talk about journalism all the time. So it was interesting to see that come full circle.
0: Yeah, and that's why... I am not necessarily against the idea of eliminating Section 230 for social media, because for mainstream news organizations, that's going to be a very positive thing. Sources of disinformation, which is intentionally false, and misinformation, or which is disinformation that is believed to be true when shared, require few resources to produce stories. The stories spread on social media, just automatically, they don't really do have to do have to do much. Right. Traditional right. news organizations have to hire people to research the information and people to double check the research, and it's an expensive operation. And failure to do it correctly, and and to correct mistakes is even more expensive if you don't do it.
1: Yeah, we. I mean, let's be real. In 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 traditional journalism, you know, you may have an unnamed source, but you typically, or in the past, you typically would have two or three four other sources
0: to corroborate that information that's right and if if you eliminated the anonymity of the people that produce false information and make them financially responsible for that information it is going to be a significant deterrent to that movement that we were we started talking about the 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 movement to to spread lies without ever ever checking to see if it's even close. You don't even need the government to pass laws against it. Hence, there's no violations of the First Amendment. Hmm. Now, if 230 is is deleted, that act alone is going to change the shape of political discourse. Politicians and celebrities using social media to spread falsities are gonna find their accounts permanently deleted. Social platforms that allow unfettered content will find themselves sued out of business. And you know who I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the new guys. I'm talking about Parler. I'm talking about Gab. And even some of the, the more um, innocuous ones like MeWe, which and we've talked about MeWe in the past. And, uh, well, I mean, there, there's a whole raft of private social networks that you have to pay to use. In order to get to, to spread any information. Okay. So it's going back to it's going to make everyone who wants to use social media to spread information true or not. Ha- they're going to have to spend the same amount of money and time and effort that traditional news organization organizations have always had to do.
1: One of the interesting aspects to me, though, talking about the private smaller guys, too, is if they would just take their platforms and essentially turn them private, right? So that yeah. people, they, they would basically be in an echo chamber, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's a that's a, just as dangerous of a solution. Like when I said earlier, if you don't address the underlying issues, you're still going to have issues. There will be a way around these things. But they yeah. just won't
0: be on the main mainstream Massive user platforms. Yeah, but that, see that that's that's not necessarily a bad thing, because these these rumors and and mistruths and disinformation have always existed. They've always yeah. been out there, but they yeah. there hasn't been the mechanism for spreading it on a vast level. Now, with something like Facebook, the people that are in those little silos. That, that you know just talk amongst themselves now have an opportunity to blast it out to a broader public so that you not only get the people who are on the opposite side of the spectrum yelling back at them but now you've had people in the middle saying wait wait what the hell is going on here yeah and you're going to have some of them start saying well yeah that's true i believe these guys and that's what makes it so dangerous that's why it has spread throughout the, the entire world so quickly.
1: It is, it is. if you think about it, it is nothing more than the massive reach that is the problem. Because if you think about disinformation campaigns, we have done that forever. The US military has done that forever. Right? Yes. The psychological, I mean, that's what, I mean, there's whole departments that do it. But when you're using radio to do that, for example, It's a very limited targeted area. We know how far the radio waves can reach. We know exactly where it's going, who we're targeting. With these massive platforms, it's everywhere all the time.
0: Yes. But here's the thing Uh, Pew Research came out with a study um, that ran from October 29th to November 11th, 2019. And this really surprised me because I compared it to a similar study they did about trust in. in newspapers and social media, which at about three years ago was getting higher numbers than the print media for not only where people got their news, but whether they trusted that information and the trust of social media has absolutely cratered right now, according to, to the Pew, Re- Pew research, Instagram has 6% of the, their audience trusting what's going on. 12% trust you know, for Twitter, 15% for Facebook, 7% for Reddit, 7% for LinkedIn, and 17% for, for YouTube. Whereas 36% distrust YouTube, 59% distrust Facebook, 48% distrust Twitter. Yeah, so Right now, we we can say with pretty much assurance, people don't trust the information they're getting on social media. But here's the thing. On that other report, they found out that trust in print journalism is now up to 54%. Wow. I don't think in all the years we've been looking at it, it's been that high that I can remember. No, this is this is actually a high watermark because I've been following this uh, this particular uh, measurement going back to when Gallup used to do it back in the nineteen seventies when I was covering uh, Watergate. Wow! So, but but here's the thing: is that cable news is about the same as social media, as far as I can far.
1: understand that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's why I'm saying I'm I'm actually getting kind of encouraged by what i'm saying we're still not seeing what's going on we're still not seeing the 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 news media come back or the print news media come back to be profitable but things are changing and people are saying you know the social media stuff yeah i'm i'm still on it because i still want to talk to my grandma i still want to share with my college friends but this information i'm seeing i i, I don't trust it mm.
1: Interesting change. It'll be, it will be very interesting to see where this goes.
0: And and that's the thing is what, what's happening when I, when I say technology is behind was, you know, technology was behind the increase in uh, misinformation and disinformation. But what's happened over the past, I'd say two years, but mostly actually in this year is the public is starting to savvy, get savvy about it. When a public figure points to a news medium and calls it failing or bankrupt, or they hear that the medium is laying off people in the newsroom, it actually increases the public trust in the organization. (laughs) If the media platform is profitable in hiring, it decreases the trust. So if you are actually a failing news organization as far as financial, you are successful as a, as a, a disseminator of information. You know, that dichotomy arises from the belief that if they're losing money, then they can't be doing it for the money. (laughs) You must be (laughs) reporting information to generally inform people. Now, they may think that their information is wrong, that they did a bad job at it, but at the same time, they know they're not doing it for a bad reason. We we need to add to this, this political issue here, okay. There's antitrust litigation and legislation in 48 states, and the federal government has filed multiple lawsuits designed to break up Facebook into at least three separate companies, Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram. Now They're going to fight it tooth and nail, but there are enough competing companies struggling to survive to provide friends of the court briefs if removing Section 230 protections doesn't winnow them out so that they will be able to say, yeah, Facebook is is anti-competitive. Now, Parler and Gab, which which have become popular pre-election when Twitter and Facebook started blocking or at least providing guidance on questionable content, they're gonna have to consider moderating their no moderation stance and are already seeing an impact on growth. You know, the the number of people downloading the, the applications uh, for Parler and Gab was just shooting up before the election, but it has suddenly plateaued and it started to decline.
1: Yeah. I was actually reading some of the reviews for those two, and, and they've got a lot of technical issues as well. A lot of security issues, a lot of
0: well, actually things that, being stolen there. Well, that, so. that turned out to be false as well. Um, you know, th- there was that story that that Parler's user base or a portion of Parler, Parler's user base had been, uh, uh, released by hackers. And that turned out just to be a common database that was taken from somebody, but it wasn't Parler. Ah. So so I, that that wasn't necessarily true. But at the same time, Parler and Gab are silos of people who are just talking to themselves who believe the same thing. They cannot disseminate it beyond there. Mm-hmm. So... That being said, breaking up the major players and boosting smaller competitors will have an effect of decreasing the perception of marginalization amongst the electorate, because they'll go into their silos and they say, oh, look, we're, we're a majority. But the thing is, they won't be able to spread out beyond those silos. I was looking at election results going back for about the past 50 years for the presidential elections. And historically, the margin of victory between presidential candidates has been less than 10% for all of the 21st and most of the 20th century. This last election and the election before was called a landslide, and it was less than a 7% difference. Right. The vote. right. So until social media, we didn't express our opinions and beliefs as broadly as and publicly as we do now. And once people retreat to the smaller platforms with limited audiences, our differences will be less public, less heated, and less vulnerable to ma- mass manipulation.
1: Well, having said all that, there's an interesting other thing is that there is no guarantee that Section 230 goes away. Remember, yeah. these are large, very large companies with a with a ton of money and lobbying power. They, they will put up a fight.
0: Yeah, they will. But the public opinion is against them. And and so far, the courts haven't been all that friendly to these organizations. So it may not happen legislatively, but it's probably going to happen uh, through litigation. But beyond that, human savvy is only going to take us too far. The biggest problem we have in disinformation... Are people's willingness to send it out trusting where it came from right now that's how scammers get to us in the form of ransomware phishing and spear phishing attacks it's also how disreputable companies and reputable companies get our information I mean using a VPN or virtual public uh, private network is a good step towards stopping that kind of data collection so it keeps it off your list but there are several products on the market that can get you off a lot of lists already now uh, i personally i use a, a service called unroll me or unroll.me um it has an app and it alerts me whenever i get an email from some organization that has me put on the list because it's required by law that Whenever you send out a mailing list, you have a button that allows you to unsubscribe from it. And that mm-hmm. can be difficult, too, because those unsubscribe buttons can be connected to malware. So using something like Unroll Me will flip through this stuff, and I, it, it acts like a Tinder app. So I can just swipe away unwanted lists and roll up <laughs> emails from people that I do want to see or just leave them on my mailbox. And just this past week, I decided to use it in earnest and I removed thousands of emails from my inbox. And best of all, it's free because what the the it does is the company extracts pricing information from the products that are being offered for sale and sends it to con- consumer facing groups like the Better Business Bureau. Now, another one that I've been getting uh, a lot of advertising for that I think I'm going to take, I'm going to make an investment in is Winston Privacy. Now, this is a, a device that sits between your router and everyone on your wireless network. And it stops tracking cookies from following anyone. So it, now this is not going to help you outside your own network. But if you say you go have a coffee shop that does this. they'll they can put that up in their uh, their coffee shop and they can block uh, tracking cookies in in Starbucks. And it's a $99 a month prescription and covers everybody within that network. Now the most interesting technologies coming around are using artificial intelligence to analyze network traffic and then isolate suspicious activities. Um, companies like that uh, we've talked about, Axiado, AirGap Networks, and Tossybox, And then there are studies in several universities are working on this idea. Some have brought products to market like Tossybox and AirGap, uh, while others are in the preliminary stages. Most of the companies or, or customers are large corporations that can afford to, to spread them out widely. And frankly, these, com- these companies are only targeting, you know, like the Fortune 100 companies. Most of the customers are large, uh, so they can afford them. So there's not much available to to consumers. The good news is that if a cons- corporation gets ha- attacked and they're using this, then they won't be able. To, it, your your personal data that they've collected on you won't be vulnerable. But we're still a long way from that being the norm. But we're going to see that happen more and more in uh, in the market coming through in 2021. So there's going to be, uh, we've got Apple not allowing tracking. We've got Google that's going to be eliminating third-party cookies that we've talked about in the past. We've got these technologies coming on board. So we've got a combination of technologies, a combination uh, with legislation and litigation that's really going to tamp down on this process of disinformation and attacking people. Now, we're going to have a uh, an interview that I've already conducted with a, uh, a CISO. That's a, a Chief Information Security Officer for a networking company. That uh, and we'll be following this story over the year. But he was able to give me some information about how he helped the FBI and the and the uh, the Secret Service to take down a ransomware gang in a country with an extradition treaty with the United States. Wow. Wow, indeed. That's that's the the last part of this uh, that has just kind of come together. I've talked to uh, Matt Rosenquist uh, from Eclipse IO, and we're going to be having a, a podcast c- coming up with them next year, year as well. Uh, how there's been a change in the attitude about what we do with malware gangs, ransomware. Fishing, spear fishing. People are getting angry and they are getting aggressive. For the lo- most part, these malware gangs have felt they were untouchable, even when they're in countries that have extradition treaties with the United States. This one guy w- was saying that uh, the guys that hit their their client not only told them who they were and where they were. But show them how to get to them if they wanted to. because, they, because were so, they
1: thought they were untouchable.
0: And the FBI went in, rounded them up, and it brought them back to the United States for prosecution. So people or the governments and people and corporations are getting aggressive about protecting data. And to me, all of this combined tells me things are going to be looking better in 2021 for many reasons.
1: It's just, there's just a lot of things changing at a really quick pace. And I think you, every once in a while, you get to these inflection points where people have just had enough of whatever it may be. And I think we're really there, right? All these things combined just put people under enormous pressure for the entire year. And there's just some things they're realizing I want to change. And, 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 you know, they're willing to put the resources, the energy and the effort into it. And I think that's what we needed to get to. I, I've always said that, you know, the security and things like that, the, the The project itself was just too overwhelming, right? It's a long chain with lots of links. People just don't want to put the effort into it. But we're getting to the point now where they don't necessarily have to put the effort in that someone else will put the effort in for them. And they'll go, yeah, let's do that. And I'm willing to pay for that. Yeah. And I
0: think that's where we are. Uh, so as m- much of a shit show as 2020 has been, I think 2020, while it's not going to be perfect. And while all this stuff isn't going away completely, it's going to be a, a lot less of a problem next year than it ever has been. Well, let's hope so. Cause we could all
1: use some, some good, some good energy.
0: Well, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe, you have a happy Christmas. I hope you, you stay healthy and, uh, Thanks for being a friend and a partner in this
1: this world. You as well. And we will talk to you again in 2021 for our next
0: podcast. Yep. This has been Luke Covey and Joe Basquez with Crucial Tech. And if you have any questions or concerns or ideas for uh, activities, or for things that we can do on this podcast, uh, you can go to anchor.fm slash crucial tech. And there's a button there that'll give you a one minute recording time to put out your question or comment. And we will listen to it and we'll see what's what's going on. We might even make you a star. Uh, So thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Happy Christmas. And stay safe out there.